Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. I've always said this, Brett, if I can't go home and explain it to the people of West Virginia, I can't vote for it. And I cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation. I just can't. I've tried everything humanly possible. I can't get there. You're done. This is, this is a no. This is a no on this legislation. I have tried everything I know to do. And uh, the president has worked diligently. He's been wonderful to work with. He knows I've had concerns and, and, and the problems I've had. And-, and so when I think about this, I say shame on someone like Senator Marco Rubio, right? That is constantly comparing the Build Back Better bill to communism. No shame on someone like Senator Ted Cruz, who's constantly comparing someone like Joe Biden to a communist and a socialist, right? That is the biggest betrayal to the Latino vote, to undermine their experience and compare something like Cuba to a liberal democracy like it is the United States. But that's why, Tiffany, because lies have become the central platform um, for Republicans. Yeah, and you, as you know, Paula, we were uh, in Miami speaking with a panel of Latino voters who talked about that very thing. Gerardo, I want you to take a listen to one of our panelists, uh, Marco uh, Frieri, talk about the role disinformation plays in some of this uh, conservative shift that we're seeing. The Republicans are reaching out, but as, a, as we saw in the past cycles, most of this reaching out involves a lot of disinformation uh, that they're targeting our communities. And, and this is a problem because the other side is not reaching out and talking about these problems, informing the, the voter, informing the Hispanic community of how our system works, how our elections work, before they come and they just say a bunch of lies, a bunch of conspiracy theories. So, Geraldo, what role do you think disinformation is playing in some of the shift that we're seeing uh, towards the Republican Party? It's real. I think it's real. I think it's absolutely happening. And I think that social media companies certainly need to hire more Spanish speakers to ferret it out. I think it's also naive for social media companies to think that they're not putting a thumb on the scale of our electoral process by letting this misinformation slide. I will say that you know, I, I don't, I, I would be cautious about believing that Spanish speaking voters are somehow uniquely susceptible to disinformation. And I would also want to think a little bit historically about what the difference is between disinformation and propaganda that has been used for a long time by the Nixon campaign, for example, in 1972. But also 10 years ago, the idea was rampant that Barack Obama was a socialist. So it's not that disinformation or propaganda are new at all. I think it's worth thinking about the scale at which it operates now on social media. Perhaps it can spread wider, faster, and farther. But, um, you know, I think the real issue is that propaganda has been around for a long time. And, uh, yeah. you know, we need to 
think yeah. about how to continue combating it. And we certainly are not suggesting that um, the Latino population is uniquely susceptible to this. We certainly know that's not the case. We just happen to be talking about that population specifically right now. Um, but there's been disinformation campaigns uh, for quite a long time uh, in this country. Um, Paula, I want you to take a listen to Congressman Henry Cuellar uh, talking about issues that drive Latino voters. And I'll have a question for you on the other side of this soundbite. We have a tendency of just looking at immigration issues at the border, and those are important. Those are important, but we need to look at the trade, the interchange that we have. For example, before the pandemic, we had over 18 million Mexicans that would spend over $19 billion in the U.S., restaurants, stores, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this is relevant, Paula, because uh, for the third time, the Senate parliamentarian has nixed immigration in the Build Back Better um, legislation that has failed. Uh, we have to remind people that um, undocumented immigrants do not vote in this country. However, this is still a huge policy issue uh, in this country. So what role do you think this will play going into midterms next year? And what other issues will be driving Latino voters to the polls? So we know, Tiffany, that the number one issue has always been the economy. Right? And th that's the problem that Democrats are up against. It's a messaging problem. It's a storytelling problem. In this moment, jobs are up with Joe Biden, wages are up with Joe Biden, and unemployment's down. Yet that is not resonating with Latinos. So what Democrats are up against in 2022 and 2024 is a massive, not just a massive disinformation campaign being led by the GOP, it is their own internal messaging failure. Right, Because what is completely, completely alarming is that in this moment, right of history in which within one year we've had a failed authoritarian coup we've had republicans time and time again trying to undermine free and fair elections right in the same year we've had conspiracy theories completely transform the republican party what is absolutely unacceptable is that still more latinos believe and are scared of democrats embracing socialism that they are scared of republicans embracing fascism that wow. is a communications problem within the Democratic Party. And that's that's what they that's what they have to face going into the midterm. Member of the state legislature. This is this is if so in any case Mark Mark Vaccinated people. And again to folks who are not vaccinated, you might think you're putting only yourself at risk. But it's your choice. Your choice is not just a choice about you. It affects other people. You're putting other people at risk. Your loved ones, your friends, neighbors, strangers you run into. And your choice can be the difference between life or death. The longer the virus is around, the more likely variants form. that may be deadlier than the ones that have come before. Let me say again and again and again and again. Please get vaccinated. It's the only responsible thing to do. Those who are not vaccinated are causing hospitals to overrun, become overrun again. I just spoke to the governor of New York. Every COVID-19 hospital means someone with a heart attack, cancer, or other serious illness may not get that bed and that life-saving care they need in the hospital. Look, let me give it to you straight again. Omicron is serious, potentially deadly business for unvaccinated people. Brought together business and labor leaders to solve problems. And much, uh, you know, the much predicted. This is a country awash in pain right now.
Look at that woman's face. Listen to her. There are millions of people she speaks for. And we're having these technocratic conversations about committees and this and that. And I understand, I mean, the real blame here is Mitch McConnell, is the Republicans, is the president, is a party that does not want to help people, that is working on one side to actually make sure the pandemic kills as many people as possible. That seems to be the logical consequence of their policy. And then to make sure that all the people who manage to survive it, despite their policy, uh, suffer economically and beyond. But it is also the case that Democrats are not meeting this moment with the muscularity required, even the rhetorical muscle required. Why aren't we hearing thundering speeches from Joe Biden, from Pelosi, from Schumer, making this case in a way that bends public opinion, forces Republicans into a corner? This is not about Medicare for all right now. We're not talking about sweeping social policy. This is not about, you know, do we like reduce our footprint of empire around the world? This is emergency relief in the worst crisis since the Great Depression. And we're having this little Washington committee talk instead of talk of muscularly dealing with uh, the, the restoration of some balance in people's lives, some stability, food on people's tables. And you have word coming out yesterday or today that in Joe Biden's meeting with civil rights leaders this week, he was skeptical of the claims people make about his executive authority. He is not as comfortable wielding that executive authority as others are comfortable with him wielding. This is not a time for milk toast. Watch that woman again. Watch that woman again. Watch millions like her. This is a time for dramatic sweeping action. Tonight, ABC News has learned of a phone call between President Biden and West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. That call happening just hours after Manchin declared that he's a no on a key piece of the president's domestic agenda. Today, the White House declaring the Build Back Better plan is not dead. We're ready to move forward and get this done, and work like hell to do that. But the reality, the White House was blindsided by Manchin's announcement on Fox News. I've tried everything humanly possible. I can't get there. You're done. This is, this is a no. This is a no on this legislation. Press Secretary Jen Psaki in a blistering statement calling it a sudden and inexplicable reversal and a breach of Manchin's commitments to the president. And they can just beat the living crap out of people and think they'll be submissive, period. I understand staff. This is not the president, this is staff. And they drove some things and they put some things out that were absolutely in, in, inexcusable. Tonight, the Washington Post reports Manchin had agreed to White House priorities like universal pre-K, fighting climate change and expanding the Affordable Care Act. But he would not budge on extending the child tax credit. And Manchin suggesting the pressure tactics he's faced from some activists during negotiations, including surrounding his houseboat and blocking his car, backfired. I'm from West Virginia. I'm not from where they're from. And they can just beat the living crap out of people and think they'll be submissive. And they drove some things and they put some things out that were absolutely in, in, inexcusable. Tax the rich! And the far left for trying to pressure him. Well, guess what? I'm from West Virginia. I'm not from where they're from. And they can just beat the living crap out of people and think they'll be submissive. Progressives quickly denounced Manchin, saying they'd warned he might do this. I really am uh, just completely disappointed and disgusted by his reasoning.
And today, they said Democratic leaders need to take the kid gloves off in future negotiations. Of course, we have every right to be furious with Joe Manchin, but it's really up to leadership in the Democratic Party uh, who, you know, made the decision to get us to this juncture and how... And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It is the 24th of December, year of our Lord, 2021, doing a Christmas Eve day morning, early as hell podcast. Look like shit. That's a good bumper. Because we're just delusional. We're living in times that are delusional. When this administration can just lie and everybody just lets it go and nobody fucking cares. And, and I wanted to wait till later in the show, but I just. What the fuck is this? The tree before my spirit falls again. Fill up the stockings. I might be rushing things, but deck the halls again now. Oh, we need a little Christmas. What the fuck is that? What is that? I mean, we got him never in the White House breaking out fake sets. And you have, I mean, that's like some motherfucking, yeah, that's the Matrix, bitches. We'll get to that later. Uh, Breaking out fake sex and this shit? That's a hospital that let go 1,400 people because they wouldn't recognize religious exceptions. And you got a splice in the bumper of them just lying outright. We saved Christmas. Really? 
mean, here, before we get into the show, here's another gem from Saki. Merry Christmas. Thank you. You too. Eve, Eve. Eve, Eve. Yes. Uh, so why is the president saying about this new variant, nobody saw it coming, nobody in the world, if that's not true? Well, first I would say that um, uh, nobody saw, knew that there would be the number of different variants. Nobody knew exactly how transmissible they would be. About the testing and the contingencies, why is it that you guys are promising 500 million tests next month if you haven't even signed a contract to buy the tests? Well, we have no concern about the contract being finalized. Uh, we're just working to finalize the contracts. We just announced this two days ago. But if it's so easy to uh, get the tests, why don't people have them now? Who here decided that Americans were going to want to have access to these tests in January as opposed to now before they go home for Christmas? Well, Peter, what we've been doing over the course of the last four months, even before the president's announcement two days, is massively increasing our testing capacity. As we understand that there's going to be a website that people can go to starting next week, there are a lot of Obama alum that work here. Is anybody that was Don't involved? know any of them. Yeah. Uh, is anybody that was involved in the creation of healthcare.gov going to be involved in the creation of this new website? Well, let me, I, I don't know all the staffing particulars about the creation of the website. Is the president taking crime in big cities more seriously now that a Democratic member of Congress, Mary Gay Scanlon, has been carjacked at gunpoint? Well, let me first say that we're relieved that she was not injured, and the president called her and spoke with her this morning as well. If the president is giving big cities historic levels of funding and members of Congress are going home and getting carjacked at gunpoint, then what else can the president do or what else is the president going to do? Nothing they say is true. And they deflect. They want to make everything still about Trump. Here's three ex-generals. I saw this everywhere. It's along the Atlantic line that we're going to have a coup in 2024. Glenn Greenwald. It was, of course, from Washington Post. Of course, they're going to run it. Washington Post op-ed by three retired generals calling for U.S. military to turn its planning against the citizenry on domestic soil in the name of stopping its erection and misinformation is vastly more dangerous than anything that happened on 1-6. Remember, before 1-6, the U.S. Intelligence Committee was claiming the greatest threat to the U.S. homeland is domestic extremism. It's long been clear that the insurrection narrative is so vital because it justifies any domestic powers and the name of stopping it. For those complaining about the Washington Post paywall not allowing them to read this authoritarian, borderline fascist op-ed by those three generals, here's a CNN segment predictably heralding their prescience, uncritically interviews of the author. And let me see if I can grab this. As Congress investigates January 6th, three retired U.S. generals are warning of a possible insurrection in 2024 through political violence from within the military the next time around. Writing in a new opinion piece this in part, quote, we are chilled to our bones at the thought of a coup succeeding next time. Joining me right now is one of those generals sounding the alarm here, retired Brigadier General Stephen Anderson. He served in the Army for 31 years. General, thank you for being here tonight. You paint a frightening image of a threat not only of another coup attempt, but one involving military members. What makes you so concerned about a potential military breakdown next time? 
Well, we're extremely concerned about what's going on within the ranks of the military. First, I want you to understand that I'm a very uncomfortable talking like this. Um, I've been raised in the Army for 31 years to be apolitical, to not get involved in such matters. I'm a conservative Republican, uh, but no more. I swore an oath 43 years ago to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, be they foreign or domestic. I never thought I'd have to worry much about the domestic threat, but we do now. Uh, my co-authors, Paul Eaton and Tony Toguba and our, our friends at Vote Vets, we're incredibly concerned. When you see all the signs that are out there, you have people like Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, you know, a guy with whom I served in Iraq, who's advocating a coup after the election. We have 124 leaders that signed a letter uh, believing the big lie, advocating the big lie that Donald Trump has told about the election results. Evidently, they look at the pillow guy as the you know, authoritative source on election fraud. We have a Brigadier General out in Oklahoma, the National Guard of Oklahoma, who's refusing federal mandates. It says that he works for the state and not the federal government. Somebody needs to remind him he works for the National Guard. And then we got all kinds of commanders and soldiers out there that are refusing to take their shots. You know, we, they, they line up to take yellow fever, they line up to take anthrax, but COVID has somehow been politicized. So to me, that shows the weaknesses we have within our military to, to be consumed by political um, thoughts and, and adiations instead of thinking about our country. We love our country. We need to prepare now for the next coup. And that's why we wrote the article and that's why we're incredibly worried. You write in the article that with the country as divided as, still as divided as ever, we must take steps to prepare for the worst. What's the single most important thing that needs to happen? The most important thing is accountability. You need to be, we need to account for all the people, all the insurrectionists that participated and a lot of them are being brought to justice. But we haven't accounted for the leaders, the people out there, the Josh Hawley's, the Donald Trump's, the people that fanned the flames of insurrection and then stood back and act surprised when it happened. You have people like Lindsey Graham, a great American that I served with in Iraq twice, who has somehow lost his mind and decided that, that, that it, and believes this big lie. We've got to hold people ac accountable. But the other thing that we advocate in our op-ed is that we need to educate soldiers and sailors and airmen and Marines on Civics 101. You need to understand the difference between allegiance to the Constitution and allegiance to a, a, a cult-like figure like, like Donald Trump. Um, we cannot let that happen. We sign an oath to the Constitution, not to a person. We need to gather intelligence about the people within our midst. We need right. to find out next the next generation of insurrectionists out there, and we need to get them out of the Army. And I believe the military took a step in that direction today with this new policy in which they're making it very difficult to become an active member in an extreme group, which is really good. And the final thing I would say is strategic planning and wargaming. We need to think now. Um, we need to imagine the unimaginable. When I, a year ago, if somebody told me that on the 6th of January, we'd have thousands of Americans storming the Capitol, I would have said, that's ridiculous. It's unimaginable. Well, we need to think about 2024 now. There are things out there that could happen, cybersecurity and other threats. We've got to... That's a one-star general. I don't know anybody that knows that. I don't know anybody that thinks it's happening because a bunch of ex-vets went to a fucking First Amendment protected constitutional event 
And then a bunch of other assholes who just happened to be wearing camouflage, some of them, did bad deeds. The whole military is fucked up. Okay. And I didn't get this, but I'll just put this poll up because that's the next little byline we're going to cover. A real fucking problem. Vulnerable House Dems blast party campaign arm over obsession with Donald Trump. Basic synapses. What the fuck? He's not the president. He doesn't have social media. He has no way to communicate with fucking anybody. And all you talk about is Trump. CNN knows this because every time I tune into CNN, it's a story about Trump. Not the current bag of fucking Metamucil who fucking can't tell the truth. We're bringing honesty back. We're going to follow the science. And then he completely stops doing it. I mean, they're so bad. Four times, Private Pile. Four times. They attack their own people. Because as you heard in the lead in, Manchin's a piece of shit because he doesn't want to destroy the, the fucking economy. Global warming protesters follow Manchin, scream at him, and swarm his car. We played it. Screaming leftists disrupt wedding at cinemas officiated. We played it. Far left protesters follow cinema in a bathroom. We played it. And one other time. Because all they have is violence. Why they talk about the violence that supposedly Trump's going to do when there's a coup with QAnon and Boogaloo Boys and Proud Boys and other groups. It's like variants of COVID. They just start making that motherfucking shit up. Nobody knows. Nobody researches shit. They're all a bunch of goddamn lemmings. They just listening. Oh, my God. QAnon. And then you see it. 33% of Hispanics approve of him. The rest don't. Whites, 40. Disapprove, 56. He's a net negative 16 and negative 32. Right now, boys and girls, Democrats can't win elections with 40% Hispanic. It, It just doesn't work. And then CNN had to play the actual journalist game. He's worse than Jimmy Carter on the economy with American people. Negative 13 points. He's sucking buttermilk. So then when a bunch of Hispanics come in and talk shit about a Democrat, the next thing, oh, that was an AstroTurf. It's not real down in Florida. Because once again, deny, 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 lie, lie, lie. They got a media that doesn't break into it and go, hey, that motherfucker doesn't know the next, the, the difference between fucking pills and tests. Because you all already saw it, so I'm not going to play it. He can't string a sentence together with the dictionary.com who keeps woken the words. I mean, come on. And then you have multiple people in custody after Representative Mary's gay scallion and somebody else in South Philly who started the defund got carjacked. You got the Washington, D.C. liar. This is unha- this just isn't happening. And John Gabriel sums it up. This is, this is these motherfuckers. Oh, I forgot this one. Yeah, there you go. That's not the White House. That, that's 
Not the White House. Why is he not in the White House? I'm fucking up. I didn't do it. White House crashes comms. It isn't happening. It isn't happening. It isn't happening. We fixed that thing that wasn't happening or blame Trump. That's that's the world we live in, folks. Super majorities say 2021 was a suck-ass year. But, you know, we're bringing back civility, honesty, and a bunch of other words with E. And then you find out everybody who works at the White House says it is a gigantic suck fest because these people are garbage humans. Are you surprised? I'm not. These, these, these are the fascists. I mean, what the fucking fuck? Then we tie back into our first. And, and this just... What they're doing now, because it wasn't good enough to do a pause and go through and check everybody and look at the social media. You know, we did that back in the day. It was a gang one. You stopped and you checked tats and all that kind of crap. This is a litmus test. This is a political litmus test that they're going to employ. So if you're a Trump person or a conservative or anytime you said anything, and these are people wanting to go in the military, and you said that the mask mandates are stupid or the economy sucks or Joe Biden's a piece of shit, you're not going to get in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, or the Marines. They want the people with the guns to be their people. They just hate us. Any way you cut this, they fucking hate us. It is so glaringly true by this media jerk-off of hate. Miami politics, the media jerk off of the week. So hot. This bill disproportionately supports uh, people of color. It supports people of color. It supports women. It supports children. It supports those who are poor and lifts them out of poverty, uh, why wouldn't Manchin want to support that when this would benefit uh, West Virginia tremendously? It's tremendously frustrating for me as a black man in America because once again, it's an example of Joe Manchin as a white man showing that he doesn't care about black people, he doesn't care about Latinos, he doesn't care about immigrants, he doesn't care about women, and he doesn't care about the poor. He is a millionaire and he has the privilege to kick the can down the road and not vote for this bill while the people in my district are suffering. 
you know, God bless Joe Biden for him. He, he's not perfect. You know, there are a lot of things we can complain about about President Biden, but right. he actually is a caring human being who does want Absolutely. the whole country to survive this. And there are just people there who Absolutely. have decided to turn him into the devil just because they would rather hear, you know, Tucker and all of those clowns in a vaccinated, the probably right. the most vaccinated company in America is Fox News. They're all vaccinated. They're going to live through this and let their viewers and their fans Fans right. die because they don't give a damn. It's just clicks to them. It's just they don't care what happens. It's just, it, this is fun for them, you know. God bless Biden. And are hundreds Listen. of thousands of people supposed to die to to undermine Joe Biden and help it's the Republicans? Sad. It's That's about, yeah. This is getting. It's what they think. On yeah, the let, let them die. If if it gets them power again, they're let as many people die as as are right. going to die. They don't care. Right. Uh, Mara Gay, uh, thank you very much. Michael Beschloss, I'm wishing you both a very happy holiday. Thank you. Very briefly, we've heard now that Senators Warren and Booker both have had breakthrough cases. Have you heard of any more cases and uh, what concerns do you have about the way the, the protections against uh, COVID in the Senate as you've all been working together so closely? Well, we are working together closely. People on my side of the aisle are uniformly wearing masks. Unfortunately, people on the Republican side majority are not, which is also frustrating. But um, I obviously send them my best. Um, thank goodness they have both been vaccinated and received the booster, which hopefully means that they will not have serious uh, symptoms as a result of this. That's really what needs to happen. People need to get vaccinated. They need to uh, protect themselves. We know that this new variant is extremely contagious, and we also know it is not that serious if you have been vaccinated. And so I would encourage everyone to do that as a Christmas present, as a holiday present for themselves and their families. Well, thank you again for being with us and a happy holiday. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you and your family. We also learned from Donald Trump that he's going to hold a news conference at Mar-a-Lago on January 6th, the one year anniversary of the insurrection. What do you see here, Essie? Uh, that makes me physically ill, John. And the idea that he would hold any kind of propaganda event and where he potentially stokes more violence and encourages either tacitly or explicitly people to try it again, well, it makes me nauseous. It makes me sad and very nervous and afraid. It also, I think, will be very interesting to see how Republicans in Congress respond to that. I mean, these are people who have largely followed him over the last year. Are they going to sing his praises on that day? Undoubtedly. I have no doubt. John, I've long given up on the sort of the pivot, you know, that Republicans will will see Jesus and understand just how dangerous and awful the, these years of rhetoric and, and also policy have been, not just for Republicans who lost everything, but for America. I've long since lost the idea that they'll find religion. I think going into a midterm. They Are you afraid? to show your face. Because there was a day not too long ago when I had to stop and think when they come in with handcuffs and they come in with their warrant for my arrest for alleging that I've provided obscene material to minors, who am I going to call first? Across Texas, protesters at school board meetings are accusing educators of forcing pornography or obscene content on children.
This is not a political thing. This is not a witch hunt. This is genuine concerns for children. It's abuse. It is grooming behavior. It's predatory. The anger is largely aimed at school libraries, and many Texas politicians are on board. In October, Republican state legislator Matt Kraus requested every school district in the state scour their libraries for a list of 850 books. The infamous Texas list, the pattern seems to be um, books that are representative of LGBTQIA uh, subjects and characters and topics, um, books that may contain depictions or narratives of sexual violence, um, survivor stories, um, some books that are about racism. The list includes New Kid, a graphic novel about a black student's struggles fitting in at a majority white school. The letter Q, queer writers' notes to their younger selves. And The Cider House Rules, a coming-of-age story that features a character who performs abortions. Republican Governor Greg Abbott took things a step further, ordering officials to investigate any criminal activity in public schools after complaints about two LGBTQ-themed books he said were pornographic. I have never experienced anything like that before where um, a government agency or uh, any kind of government entity was interested in. I hope you could hear Evan's piece that Texas librarian at the very end when she said what you know, we talked about what do we stand to lose as you look at where we are right now. What do we stand to lose as a country by going down this road of banning books, by ignoring accurate history and by vilifying people? You know, who are simply trying to make reading and history and accuracy available. Thank you so much for having me on. That was a deeply disturbing piece and very important, and I'm grateful that you all ran it, because we are in very dangerous times. Uh, when you have librarians, librarians are one of our greatest public goods. Um, these are spaces, you know, I, I wouldn't be where I am today without my public library, which allowed me as a child to go in and read about all of these different people and all of these different places and, and, and gain a different understanding of the world and my place in it. And to think that that is now a dangerous profession, I think really, uh, it really is, is demonstrative of, of the warning that I and many others are trying to uh, call out right now, which is our democracy is um, on the brink. Um, I don't know that our institutions are going to hold with the assaults that we're seeing on voting rights, on the attempts to ban books, on these memory laws, which they're calling anti-critical race laws, but they're really uh, anti-history laws. Uh, these are all uh, means of stoking division and resentment and um, I, I don't think we, we quite know where we're going to go at this moment. And, and sadly, they seem to be working in certain communities, right, as we're seeing it. You, you also noted in that, that interview that we need to really ask ourselves, specifically as, as journalists, storytellers, narrators, if we're ringing the alarm bell in the right way. So are we? I think that there are certainly political journalists and others who are trying to, but I think there, there are far too many in our profession who are really normalizing what's happening right now in an attempt to be or appear objective, uh, in an attempt to say, well, we're going to treat both political parties equally when we clearly have in this moment one political party 
uh, that is passing anti-democratic policies, uh, that is upholding people with authoritarianism ideals. We just saw Kyle Rittenhouse got a standing ovation, and he's a young man who killed two people. So I think that we, as a profession, have to step up. We are the firewall for this democracy, and I do not believe... All of this talk of the holidays has given me an idea, though, how we can break through all of the noise on the far right. Perhaps you know somebody, somebody in your family, somebody in your neighborhood, who needs a little more than Christmas cheer. They need the truth, gift-wrapped, just for them. Consider putting together a little folder of articles. Here's mine. I've got an Associated Press story in here reporting that uh, they found fewer than 475 cases of voter fraud in the battleground states that helped decide the 2020 election. Plenty of other great CNN articles in here as well. If you have them, you can, if you have kids, you can have them decorate the folder. On the cover of mine, I have the Fox News Christmas tree. There it is, along with some photos of Sean, Laura, and Brian. And don't forget Tiny Tucker. He's right there. And God bless us, everyone, including Vladimir Putin. So when your relatives start going on about how the election was stolen, just calmly hand them this Yuletide folder. Feel free to personalize it with how you celebrate this time of year. And, and in the meantime, send me some of your photos of your folders. So if you make one like this, tweet a picture at me and we'll, we'll feature them on the show. Now, why go through all of that effort, you ask? I mean, I think the handmade gifts are always the best this time of year. That's what I tell my kids. But think about this. It's the holidays. Perhaps you've heard something about peace on earth, goodwill to all. I was eager to speak with you. I read your op-ed that you wrote with two other retired generals in absolute terror, to be honest with you. It scared the hell out of me. Um, the idea that not only do we have to worry about the people who plotted the first coup launching another, which I firmly believe they will. I think most of the people on this panel, if, all, if not all, firmly believe they will try. But that we can't necessarily count on the military to hold the line. That scares me. Um, because it means that we have a breakdown internally in one of the most important and trusted institutions in the country. So walk me through what we need to be afraid of. I know there were a lot of people with military credentials. I think it was like one in 10 initially who were you know, charged with crimes or accused of crimes on that day, had military backgrounds. A lot of military people were there. But what, what, what is your biggest fear when it comes to whether the military itself will hold the line when they try this again? Some of them are flipping, right? Some of them are, are, are telling about the conspiracy. But there are, you know, the group, the Oath Keepers, is made up of military and police. So there are a lot of armed, heavily trained people who are falling into this cult, Stuart, on the right. And I don't really know what we do about that. Do you have ideas? Physically, their lives were threatened. They were hiding and dodging and, and hiding under chairs and tables and trying to keep those brutal people out, those lynch mobs out. J Jim Jordan, how can it be that he could defy a subpoena from the body in which he serves? Look, I don't think you should look at Jim Jordan as sort of an American congressman. He's someone who wants to change the American government. He really he wants to overthrow the American government. And I think we need to start looking at these people like this. He's not a regular United States congressman who's trying to uphold an oath. He's trying to overthrow the government of the United States, call it for what it is. And I think they should be held accountable. I don't know, as I was saying, if this isn't a conspiracy, 
A conspiracy is not, a conviction is not predicated upon successful completion. I mean, when you plan to rob the bank, you don't have to get away with the money. I just, it's baffling to me. We have to treat them as enemies. Unfortunately, um, I want to shift gears now to uh, this Kim Potter case. Take a listen uh, to Kim Potter. Of course, she was the uh, officer who shot Dante Wright. She testified this week. Uh, lots of tears. Take a look and we'll talk about it. You'd agree that as a police officer, you have the duty to render aid and communicate information to other officers, right? Yes. And it's part of your job to assist those who are hurt or injured. True? Yes. But you didn't do any of those things on April 11th, did you? No. You stopped doing your job completely. You didn't run down the street and try to save Dante Wright's life, did you? No. So, Ellie, we have this officer testifying this week. We've all been able to see uh, the testimony on screens. The criminal justice system is very unforgiving and does not value or prioritize black lives in this country. Dante Wright was presumed guilty when he was pulled over. He lost his life. Is that how it's supposed to work in this country? Like, you you, 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 you are racist, you, you kill somebody, um, and then it's like, oh, I'm, I'm very sorry that I hate Negroes so much. Oh. Like, that's, like, I, I don't think that that's how it should work in this country. Um, in terms of, of, of crying, shooting, murderous cop lady on, on, on the stand, again, we saw this in the, in the Rittenhouse trial. That woman cried, ex if you're a defense attorney, that woman cried exactly at the point where you would have told her to cry, because she cried exactly at the point where she was forced to describe killing somebody. And so, of course, when you are talking about killing somebody, when you don't want to look like a monster for killing somebody, that's the point where you turn on the waterworks and you say, like, oh, no, I'm actually a human that has emotions and I'm, I'm not Arnold Schwarzenegger from Terminator 2. I do cry. I don't just terminate. That's, that's yeah. why she did it at that point. And so yeah. I, I, there are people, I guess, who are fooled by this stuff, but not yeah. me, man. I'm, I, it's, I'm yeah. sitting here. I got it's white tears in my cup. I'm just whatever. Good morning, girls. We met Connie Sierra right as the child tax credit was increased and changed from a once-a-year benefit to a monthly check. If we're getting it every month, we can use it towards all the little things that are affecting us now. Six months later, she says it's really helped her two daughters. That money made a difference on what we could get for our family. What did you spend that money on? Back-to-school clothes, haircuts, um, shoes. The change in the tax credit was part of last March's pandemic relief bill. Families received $300 a month for every child under the age of six and $250 for those up to 17, phased out as families earned more. Families in every single state are using this uh, child tax credit payment for food. It is the most common use. The Biden administration wants to extend the tax credit for another year as part of the Build Back Better Act. But not all are on board. Some Republicans and even Democratic Senator Joe Manchin raising concerns about the cost of the tax credit, putting the entire bill in jail. So much fucking hate. Just fucking hate. Manchin doesn't like black people. Republican this. Republicans want to kill people. Jim Acosta. I mean, here's Newsweek sounding the alarm. They're all going to come. It's going to erupt in violence. They're coming for you. Because they can't run on the record. Here's Bette Midler 
Joe Manchin represents a population smaller than Brooklyn, has done the rest of America. Who wants to move forward, not backward like his state? It's horrible. He sold us out. He wants us all to be just like his state. West Virginia, poor, illiterate, strung out. That's what they think of you. That's what they always think. Man, this thing's crooked as shit. Sorry. Let's try that a little bit. Yeah, fuck it. Just hate ya. Glenn Greenwall. Absolutely everything Democrats are doing with the BBB bill, the unfulfilled promises, blame shifting, excuse making, the general loser ethos is what they have been doing without pause, at least since I began writing about politics 16 years ago. Not one thing has changed. There is no political faction in any country I've covered as a journalist that more worships their political leaders than Dems in the U.S. They revere them like teens revere pop idols, and they are thus never blamed, can't fail, can only be failed, etc., that is all Joe Manchin's that isn't all Joe Manchin's fault that the good and compassionate Democrats would have done such great things for America, poor and working class, and not for the sole bad senator is the game they always play. Here's what I wrote in 2010. CNBC, Nancy Pelosi, worth $300 million in stocks as federal lawmakers should be able to trade stocks in the office. This is a free market. That's what the Dems really are, not the bullshit brand they every two years of gullible left liberals think they are once again we've covered it so many times on the show we talk about mcconnell who inherited his money we don't talk about pelosi and her father or husband and let's just break it down all of them own shit and all Pfizer, Madeira, Johnson & Johnson. They all own solar shit. I mean, they influence policy and invest accordingly. Not saying Republicans are better. I'm just saying. They say they're for the people. And then you have the cult. This cult won't stop. COVID cult. What's the opposite extreme of anti-vax? Like, I would literally get a booster every week if it meant I could live my life and do things I love doing without killing myself or other people. They're not going to ever stop. They're, they're never going to stop. It is, it is just what they do. They will keep over and over and over coming up with the reason why you can't take your mask off you can't go places and you got to get another jab which of course feeds all the conspiracies around these vaccinations then we have jim acosta that's a fox tree Teamwork works a dream work. Got to finally hang out in person with my Atlanta-based CNN team that got the show on there every weekend. I couldn't do it without them. Thanks, guy. Not a single white elitist liberal here is wearing a mask, and you're completely blind to the irony. A man, imagine how many masks and how diverse this would be at CNN show led by Jim Acosta. Why is he holding a picture of the Fox News Christmas tree with the Fox anchors around it? Because they relished in it catching on fire from an arsonist. Because they reported it just caught on fire. Peter Dow, 
Big time liberal thinker. My teen just said, Dad, school is scary because if we're not dodging a pandemic, we're dodging bullets. Yeah, no, he didn't. Somebody responded, my three-year-old just read your tweet and said, I don't know how to feel or think or love. I'm a character in a novel and yet unwritten, hovering in the air and undone before I even existed amongst the dreams of someone who never quite managed to breathe. God bless our kids. A female Muslim student claims she was attacked in public place. Video footage shows there was no assault. People's lives were ruined. Just wanted to add that in there. Same crowd. If you ever wondered, this is Dean Obadiah, what it felt like to live in the 30s Germany, we're getting a sense of it today. The GOP is a white supremacist fascist movement that has rejected democracy, embraced both autocracy and violence. Today's GOP is how democracies die. Reading Winston Churchill's book, The Gathering Storm, about the rise of Nazi Germany, as he notes, there were numerous times that we, the world would have stopped the rise of Nazi but instead simply hope for the best. History is screaming as at us, we can't hope for the best with the GOP. You are using agencies to do unconstitutional rules. You are mandating things that you do not have. The executive branch doesn't have any of the authority that they are doling out right now. And then when you hit the impasse in Congress because you can't do your fucking build back better or you can't um, take over all voting so that you are in control of it and never lose an election again, you talk about disbanding the Senate, changing the filibuster. Listen to me now and believe me later. If the wave comes next year, and Republicans take over both houses. Do you think the media will be clamoring to get rid of the filibuster? Because remember, 300 times, I won't put the picture up, Democrats have used the filibusters. The Republicans have used it like nine times. 300 times! They have blocked all sorts of shit. And they said at the time that was democracy. The framers were so wise. Now it's white supremacist Jim Crow shit. That the even party, it's not even the minority in the Senate. It's 50-50. The media fails to say that because they say, oh, they got 51. That's not a majority. That's a technicality. That's all it is. On same line with Peter Dow. Why my child wanted to share their non-binary identity on the holiday card. No, they didn't. You did. Then you have the guy that came up with Russia, Russia, Russia. My prediction for 2022, before the midterm election, we'll have a serious discussion about whether individual Republican House members are disqualified by Section 3 of the 14th Amendment from serving a concert. We must see litigation. No person should be a senator or representative in Congress or elector or president, vice president, or hold any office, civil or military, in the United States or under any state who have previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or a member of any state legislator or as an executive judicial officer of the state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection. 
<laughs> the committee's already done another. They can't prove shit because they didn't have anything to do with it. Unlike the Summer of Love, it wasn't organized. BuzzFeed, deplatform parents because they won't let you do your uh, brainwashing. These are the same people. Sensor track. TR, big take, big tech hates Christmas. It's episode 17 of this video series, Sensor Track. And I'm, well, you know what? Let me just play it because this young lady's nice. I like her. Jesus is the reason for the season. No, that's not partisan. That's a fact. Christmas, C H R I S T, miss, is to celebrate Jesus Christ. Why random atheists are celebrating the holiday is a mystery to me. You know what else is a mystery? Why Big Tech is specifically targeting Christian and Christ-related posts. Welcome to episode 17 of MRC's newest video series, Sensor Track with TR. This week should be all about joy, about family, and about the sanctity of life in remembering the meaning of Christmas and the birth of Jesus Christ. But, well, how do I put this? It's not. Instead, it's about how Big Tech is attacking pro-Christmas and pro-Christian posts online. December, Pro-Life Action League promoted caroling events outside of abortion clinics on the organization's Twitter page. The event takes place annually and is called Peace in the Womb. Pro-Life Action League tweeted, Christmas is two weeks from today. There is still time to plan a Peace in the Womb caroling event outside your local abortion clinic. As we know, Twitter supports everything leftist, including infanticide. So it censored the advertisement for the Peace in the Womb caroling event. Twitter slapped the promotion with a sensitive content filter. Apparently, a display of Christ in front of evil-ridden places like abortion clinics is sensitive for some viewers. Yes, the viewers who support abortion. In 2018, Facebook placed a sensitive content filter over this image. Why a picture of Santa kneeling next to baby Jesus may be sensitive to some viewers is beyond me. Around the same time, a Snopes report suggested that calling sensitive content filter censorship was an exaggeration. But you and I both know that sensitive content filters are censorship. Big tech restricts the potential reach of content and suppresses content on users' feeds. In 2018, Facebook claimed the censorship was a mistake, but recently the image was still under the filter on Facebook. If it was a mistake, why did it happen again even after the 2018 so-called mistake? On December 23, 2019, the Legal Insurrection Facebook page shared a Christmas post that said, As we gather with family this Christmas, remember those who fought for our freedom in the snow on Christmas Eve 1944 in the Ardennes Forest during the Battle of the Bulge. We owe them everything. The Legal Insurrection Facebook page is verified and currently has more than 300,000 followers. In 2019, the World War II post reached over 50,000 people, but when Legal Insurrection posted the same article in 2020, it only reached around 8,430 people, or just a fraction of the interaction it received in 2019. That's more than an 83% decrease from one year to another. While Facebook has not explicitly come out as censoring the post, Legal Insurrection suggested it is clearly being suppressed. Censoring anyone over biased reasons is wrong of big tech, but specifically attacking Christian and Christmas content is even harder to digest. Big tech is playing the Grinch. I hate you! 
and is stripping the internet of Christmas-related content, stories, images, and memories. It's a sad peek into the lives of the censored tyrants involved in big tech's decision-making. If you or someone you know has been censored, report those cases through our website, censortrack.org, and use hashtag free speech on social media sites to help us report, expose, and neutralize big tech's unacceptable bias. Check out last week's episode and sign up. Well, the White House is struggling to overcome multiple challenges as we approach the end of the year. Face the Nation moderator Margaret Brennan sat down with Vice President Kamala Harris to discuss these issues, including the fate of the administration's Build Back Better plan after West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin potentially doomed the bill by refusing to back it. The stakes are so high. I refuse to get caught up in the what might be personal politics. When the people who are waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning worried about how they're going to get by could care less about the politics of D.C. So you don't feel betrayed? No, I don't feel, I don't have any personal feelings about this. This is about let's get the job done. And talk with families who say, I can't afford to do the basic things that I need to do as a responsible adult, like care for my children, care for my older parents, or afford to get life-saving medication like insulin. Margaret Brennan joins us now to break down her conversation with the vice president. Margaret, really good seeing you. Um, so does the White House appear to have a new plan to pass this major legislative agenda or portions of it? Because at this point, I don't think there's anything they could really do to bring Joe Manchin along. It's already a much skinnier right. um, plan that, than what was initially proposed, which was way bigger. So if he doesn't like this one, I don't think he's gonna like anything that looks similar to this. So then what's the plan? Well, it, it, it's a great point because for the past eight months, we've only been talking about the infighting and really coming back to the same sticking points uh, in the negotiation. <laughs> For the vice Repeatedly throughout this interview with David Muir, which was recorded this afternoon, President Biden seems confused and, uh, you know, was confusing the half billion tests that they've ordered with the half billion pills. Of course, pills were in the news today with the, the Pfizer approval of the antiviral. Uh, so he corrected himself, but that was one thing that struck out to me. But then simply this administration and the president leading the charge here, uh, really not accepting any responsibility at all for this lack of testing. We've seen these images across the country, long lines, you know, the, uh, you know, just the inability to get uh, tests. And yes, Omicron came on very quickly here, but uh, it has been almost a month since Thanksgiving where they knew this was coming. So he said he wishes he could have acted faster, but then, uh, you know, uh, explains why he didn't. But the question also is the at-home tests for January. There is no sense from this administration those will be sent out early in January, as the president suggested in this interview. I ended that shit down. Uh, that was a little long. And of course, then when things don't go her way, I uh, probably told allies that the news coverage of her would be different if she were of any of her 48 predecessor. She was described as white males. Yeah. It's never them. They don't fuck up. Chris Wallace leaves. So the media says it's a thing about Fox 
And if you didn't see Brett Bear talk about it, well, I like this guy. So here if one of CNN's top stars, Don Lemon, saying that Fox News should be kicked out of, barred from the White House briefing room because he doesn't like Fox. What's your take on that? I think it's just silly. It's just efforts to get clicks or eyeballs. Um, listen, we're a news organization that has been part of the White House pool uh, really since the beginning. And we've been advocates of fighting for other journalists there, including CNN. Uh, you mentioned Jim Acosta, where we stood up, as well as Caitlin Collins, who was going to be kicked out of a, a gaggle, and I, I tweeted out, and we put out a statement uh, supporting that. So, listen, I think this is all about, you know, semantics and, and trying to get attention, uh, but they know uh, that we're working hard to, to do journalism every day. Look, detractors and critics can say what they want uh, about Fox. It's part of it. And Fox hosts, people. these are people who pay for their opinions, can dish out the criticism well. But here is the key thing, in my view. Is there a fiction that gets perpetrated because it doesn't fit the narrative? That there isn't a real news division here, that you and your special report team and all of the journalists and reporters and hosts and anchors and producers um, somehow don't count? It's really silly. Uh, you know, for 24 and a half years, almost 25, I've been working here, and it's the same thing. It just goes in iterations in which the focus is all on the opinion folks who do do opinion, and they stir the pot, and sometimes they're very controversial. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have a news operation that's breaking news every day. You can't tell me what Jennifer Griffin and Lucas Tomlinson do at the Pentagon, uh, what our White House team does, what Bill Malugin along the border, when we're one of the only networks covering the border situation, which saw the most, the highest number of illegal immigrants crossing in November ever in the history of the country, and yet we're the only network covering it. That is news. That's not made-up stuff. And uh, you know, we've been fighting that battle a long time, but just like a paper, there's a news side and an opinion side. I was going to say, in all the years I worked in newspapers, there were a lot of columnists who... So as we're piling on a who's fucked up, hey, how about Blumenthal going to a communist, communist party? Yeah, that was, that was done. And then if you didn't see this coming, I don't know what planet you're on, because of course this guy's going to CNN. And of... Of course the New York Times is going to ignore the black people beating. It's up 867%, and it's majority African-American beating them up. But they're not going to talk about that, because why would they? Then they brought up the whips. Yeah, that story's already been debunked. Sorry, you got to take a whole glass of water with your heartburn medicine or else it doesn't work. Um, but this is the time. Things aren't going good for Biden. Let's bring some shit out. Let's talk about your grandparents. Greatest Generation Survey on Race, Sex, and Combat during World War II runs counter to its wholesome image. These harsh views and others from the segregated army of World War II emerges a new project of Virginia Tech that represents the uncensored results of dozens surveys the service administrator soldiers during the war. Much of the material is being placed on the internet for the first time. Oh, they're just fucking horrible humans. Two teachers at California school reportedly coached a 12-year-old into trans identity behind her parents' back. The school also changed her name and pronouns without informing the parents. This was the mom's speech 
tonight. Let these teachers come in and act as if they have nothing wrong. They've done nothing wrong. A mistake? How long of a mistake? How many mistakes are we going to take before my child almost lost her life? They didn't tell me that my child was suicidal. You allowed these teachers to open their classrooms teaching predatorial information to a young child, a mindful child that doesn't even know how to comprehend it all. How do you not know what was going on on your own campuses? Did you think that no parent would ever come forward? You will not quiet me today. I will stand here today and protect my child along with every other child who has not come forward yet. Do you, do you, do they have psychiatry degrees that I was unaware of? Because I didn't hire them, okay? I did not hire them to sit there and nitpick my child's brain. You took away my ability to parent my child even before I had any knowledge. I didn't even get to show support. You asked for support, I didn't get a chance. You planted seeds, Ms. Caldera and Ms. Baraki, Mr. Brock and you, Ms. Pagarin. Your job was to educate my child in math, science, English, etc. Do your job and let me do mine. They assumed, they assumed that my child needed your aid and resources. They pushed it in the face. And tonight, I will stick up for her. Ms. Caldera, you're guilty. Ms. Baraki, you're guilty. You changed her personal documentation, her gender, her name, her email. I authorized an AKA added to her attendance because I wanted to be supportive. But guess what? She's allergic to bees. Her medical record says a birth name and you changed it. Who administers that now? Not everything, not me. You guys did this on your own accountability and you've gone too far. They downgraded me in front of my child and allowed me to question myself as a mother. You sat there and told me how my child was gonna be. And then you wrapped your hands around her while I sat across the table and cried because you thought you could be there better than I and I never got a chance. She was scared to even say anything. Your guys' voice were heard, not hers. Yeah, but World War II. Grace generation. They're pieces of shit. Here's a doctor. Think your mask is a gesture of solidarity and kindness, a visual reflection or commitment to our collective safety because they sure the fuck don't do anything. They just don't. They just... I'm wearing a K95 because of my allergies at work. I'm protected. A cloth mask does absolutely nothing. But, you know, check the block. And, and then just to think about this, Biden vowed to distribute... 500 million free virus tests. In fact, the administration has not yet signed a contract to buy them. Unclear whether the manufacturer can ramp up. Website to order them will not be open until January. Why? Why? And he gets away with it. Trump murdered people. He was like Romney giving people COVID. Before we go into our Christmas ending... Of how much they hate Christmas. You know, there is some serious shit. The border, inflation, he's fucked up COVID bad. More people have been died of than Trump. We have serious problems. He is not cognitively there. But you can't tell it in the spin machine.
Tonight, a U.S. Congresswoman is a victim of the surging crime that's being seen in so many cities. Representative Mary Gay Scanlon was carjacked at gunpoint by two men at FDR Park in Philadelphia. She was not hurt. The robbers, though, took off with her 2017 Acura, her personal and government cell phones, her purse and ID. Philadelphia has recorded more than 500 homicides this year. Illinois State Senator Kimberly Lightfoot Ford and her husband were victims of a carjacking last night in suburban Chicago. Lightford, uh, in that area, police say multiple gunshots were fired, but no one was injured. Police in South Philadelphia, meantime, say Congresswoman Mary Gay Scanlon was the victim of another carjacking this afternoon. They say Scanlon was walking to her parked vehicle and was approached by two men demanding her vehicle keys. But by the way, some breaking news, uh, Senator Manchin has just said that he is a firm no on this legislation. Uh, so let me ask you, Rachel, I don't want to put you on the spot, but, but you had been uh, saying for some time you thought it was a matter of if, I mean, not a matter of if, but when uh, this legislation passed. What do yeah. you think now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's time to reassess that prognosis. Um, clearly, they've got a big problem here on a number of issues. Number one, they sort of lost their greatest forcing mechanism to get this done. That was the Christmas deadline that Chuck Schumer set out in Congress. You know that if lawmakers want to get something done, you bump it up right up against the holidays, and often that sort of clears the decks and gets things through. Well, that didn't work. Neither did the expiration of the enhanced child tax credit. Uh, going into an election year, Democrats sort of saw this as something they had to pass to extend that child tax credit to keep making sure America and families get these payments in an election year when they're facing, you know, an uphill battle. And then Joe Manchin just saying uh, he's a no on Build Back Better. I mean, look, this is a guy who has a fundamental ideological problem with spending $2 trillion at a time when we have a $30 trillion debt and inflation is at a 40-year you know, year high. This is going to be a big problem for him. He has problems with the structure of the bill, and I'm not sure it can pass the way it is right now. They might have to totally rework this thing, and we don't know what it's going to look like. We now turn to Margaret Brennan's exclusive, wide-ranging CBS News interview with Vice President Kamala Harris. The vice president spoke with Margaret one day after Senator Joe Manchin said he couldn't vote for President, president Biden's Build Back Better plan, a major setback for the president's domestic agenda. Listen to what the vice president said about that. Do you feel that Senator Manchin is playing fair with you? I mean, he went on television and said no pretty definitively. I think the stakes are too high for this to be in any way about any specific individual. So you don't feel betrayed? No, I don't feel, I don't have any personal feelings about this. This is about let's get the job done. And talk with families who say, I can't afford to do the basic things that I need to do as a responsible adult, like care for my children, care for my older parents, or afford to get life-saving medication like insulin. They need Senator Joe Manchin. They need his vote to get virtually anything done in a 50-50 evenly divided Senate. They need all Democrats, and it is not a good look after eight months of infighting for this to be front page news that they're having problems wrangling their own party. She feels very passionately um, about trying to pass two voting rights laws at the federal level because of what's happening in at least seven or 18 states uh, where they're changing um, how to cast votes. So she emphasized that as really the biggest threat to our country on the national security front, Nate. And I thought that was very interesting at the integrity of our democracy at itself. Well, she's certainly being the grown up in the room and saying this isn't personal because I hear a lot of Democrats when it comes to Joe Manchin, they're very, very angry. And I hear a lot of why, why I ought to with him. <laughs>
So, Eddie, here's my question for you, coming out of what Phil said before, right? Uh, it's we know the president is not responsible for this. He didn't cause Omicron, and, and they're dealing with, uh, with this pandemic, which is uh, metastasizing and mutating every minute that it's on planet Earth. It's also the case that we know that presidents get blamed for things that they don't deserve to get blamed for. They get praised for things they don't deserve to get praised for. It's just how politics works. This is not a great moment for them. It, it, they've done, in some ways, a good job in this past year on this, and yet the sense of the unending pandemic is a political drag on, on Joe Biden. So I guess my question for you is, does Joe Biden need to get tougher? And, and if getting tougher, I mean tougher on the unvaccinated in particular, and if you think he needs to get tougher, what would that look like? And the reality is that in that period, in, in that lost two months, really, in January and February, um, the, the response, what Donald Trump did, and he directed his government to do in that period was woefully inadequate to the task of, of getting ready for this virus, which was about to hit the country, that he knew was about to hit the country, mm -hmm. that he was being told by people around him was about to hit the country. The consequences were laid out for him vividly by people like Peter Navarro and others. And yet the reaction was incompetent and inadequate. And I don't think it's actually an overstatement mm -hmm. to say that Donald Trump has there are tens of thousands of people who will die in the country or have some of them have already died. More are still going to die mm -hmm. because of Donald Trump's incompetence. We're back with a conflict of interest watch. Ethics experts sounding the alarm today after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said she would not support a ban on members of Congress and their spouses from trading stocks while in office. Why would that be a problem, you might ask? Well, because lawmakers are privy to all sorts of private briefings and secret intelligence that the public is not containing information that could decidedly affect the price of stocks once that information is learned. Let's go live to CNN's Manu Raju on Capitol Hill. Manu, this was all spurred by a report finding that some members of Congress are actually breaking the rules that were put in place to prevent such insider trading. Yeah, that's the 2012 Stock Act that was actually aimed at stopping members of Congress from learning about things privately and then making those decisions to help them financially. But this investigation by Business Insider found that 49 members of Congress and 182 senior level congressional staffers have violated that law. But if the people aren't reporting, they should be. Because this is a free market and people we are a free market economy. They should be able to participate in that. Sure. I mean, Nancy Pelosi says it's a free market. In reality, it's not exactly a free market when she has inside access to information from government experts that isn't public, that can affect in, and influence their trading activity that the public doesn't have access to. It's not exactly free when we're locked outside of the kind of information that members of Congress get all the time. You also have to remember that to the extent that Nancy Pelosi says, oh, it's a free market, why should they be deprived of the chance to participate in the market? Well, nobody kidnapped them and dragged them to Washington and said, you must be in Congress and pointed a gun at their head. Uh, they are there by choice. They asked us to give them great power over our lives. Yeah. They owe us great transparency. None of it's covered. Bishop Talbert Swan, hey, he's a Christian. In three days, white Christians will celebrate the birth of a dark-skinned black North African man with the dreadlocks that they pretend is white. You're a garbage human. This is the spin they did for Christmas. Take the, that, Scrooge, the Grinch, and all the doubters. They, this could happen. Also, shelves are stocked at 90% pre-pandemic. 
Hard same. I truly have no problem getting anything. Ron Klain. Merry Christmas to all and to this overhyped narrative. A good night. Ty Copen seems kind of hard to take credit for being having turned the tide with a considerable number of supply chain actions that administration had touted in recent weeks if their position is was all just a media narrative. But that's not to say the supply chain container ships are waiting off the cargo. Big ticket items such as blah, blah, blah are still shortage. They're fucking liars. They're just all liars. All of it. Lie. 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 As they've made an entire fucking group of people turn into these two weirdos. The definition of cases is changing. With a highly transmissible variant, there are many, many, many cases, for example, here in New York City. More than 20 states are reporting rising cases right now. Of course, that's the Delta surge and then the new variant on top. So with this inevitability about more and more and more cases, what's the better metric to be using? How how should we be evaluating the fight against COVID? Does the NFL point the way forward? The NFL this weekend saying, we're not going to be testing every player all the time for COVID because a lot of them are positive and they don't even know it because they're asymptomatic. The NFL is only going to test if people show symptoms, if players show symptoms. Is that the new way forward? It feels to me like in, in some media circles, this was the week where getting COVID became an inevitability that there's this acceptance that everybody's going to get COVID eventually. Tens of millions of Americans already have, and everybody else is going to at some point. Is that the proper approach, just to accept that at some point you'll be infected, which doesn't mean you'll get sick, doesn't mean you'll suffer, but at some point everyone will be infected? Is that the proper approach now? And if so, why is it still so hard to find at-home tests? especially in blue America. By the way, pro tip, if you want to find at-home tests, get somebody in red America in a red state to mail them to you since all the stores, at least here in New York that I've seen, are sold out. And here's another question, since we're hearing about schools closing again. We collectively took action to protect the elderly in 2020. Now, shouldn't we be doing more to protect children by letting them live normal lives? Are we really going to let the kids suffer even more? And are the facts about COVID getting through to the people who need to hear them? Too late, Brian. You made the cult. Those two girls singing, people scared to live. My mom, who's a hermit crab now, she's never leaving that fucking house. You scared the shit out of them. And then you realize, holy shit, that's really bad. 
That is really bad. We need to fucking fix this shit. And now we're talking cases, because that is the truth. That's all you're talking about is cases, because people aren't dying from this. It was always just cases. Then Washington Post comes straight out. I hate Christmas, and you should be okay with that. On December 13, the Post really thought you should know that Brian Broom hates Christmas, and you should be okay with that. Who is Brian Broom, you ask? Well, he's the author of Punch Me Up Up to the Gods, of course. You know the memoir of the New York Times book review called The Testament to the Insurgent and Ineradicable Power of Black Queer Being? Now, I'm not sure if hating Christmas or generally being miserable to pass is part of black queer being, but it's sure part of Broom's being. The stores where I buy my meager hungry man frozen dinners or dinners now explode with silver and red and gaudy celebration of unchecked poinsettia riddled capitalism. The commercials with shiny, happy children opening reams of colorful paper to reveal the things that they'd always wanted. The ads seem to suggest that more stuff you got, the better person you were. I learned through those commercials that good people got presents that my family was trash. I took it into me every year like a communion. Yeah, that's that's what we need at Christmas time. 1883 comes out. Dominates ratings despite critics calling it family value conservatism. Oh, really? 6.4 million people watched it. 10 million people tuned in on TV. So that was just the streamings. That's 16 million people. Meanwhile, some critics are not thrilled the series that paints early settlers as anything but evil. IndieWire reporter Tom Bay Obertson, Pan 1883 series, offers little intrinsic value to the narrative chronicling of one of most transformative periods in U.S. history. And that critique has a lot to do with the show how it shows Native Americans killing people. An opportunity to disrupt present-day comprehension of transformative period in U.S. history is wasted on yet another narrative about the point of view of white settlers. The writer goes on to discuss how Native Americans have been neglected and maligned characterizations. He compares the new series to Little House on the Prairie. says both depict a white family struggling to build a new life for themselves on the American frontier of the latter half of the 19th centuries with a family values conservatism. I don't know what show you were watching. That wasn't the show I was watching. And then you have New York Mayunk. Before we do this, I was going to read this. But I just can't. It's fucking evil. And understand, this is the person. She was a girl... And she witnessed somebody who was going through the trauma of rape, got PTSD, had somebody rape her, beat her up. And now she got a penis out of her leg. And because I can't read it, I'm going to let Ben Shapiro read it. Okay, so this brings us to the actual cover story from New York Magazine. Okay. On the day I heard that my penis would be huge, I sobbed. In the car outside the doctor's office afterward, I bent my torso in half and bawled. My face against the dashboard, my boyfriend petting my back to console me but confused. Isn't it good news that they can do it? Like, at all? And obviously, yes, it was. Growing up without one, I thought or maybe convinced myself that mine would grow in later to the extent that when I see a woman in tight pants, I still often instinctively think, where is her penis? 
But my period at 12 aptly, agonizingly bled to death that increasingly implausible dream of reconciling with life, with God, that he wouldn't make me like this and leave me like this forever. So the news 28 years later that the agony was going to be over, abundantly over, was a bit much to take in. I fixated on the information that a pert little average flaccid package was not an option for me. When I asked the surgeon how big my impending penis was going to be, he could only guess, pointing to the reusable water bottle in my hand, a metal cylinder nine inches in circumference, smaller than that. I was so different from everybody else. I, I had always been so different. Phalloplasty in general, it was clear, it was hard for people to accept. Well, I will love you no matter what, sweetie, a cis female best friend of mine said when I told her I was transitioning years before, as long as you don't get a dick. One flatly demanded, don't get a dick. It was another transmasculine person I used to know said, disgusting, insane to want or to have a surgeon make a sensate phallus out of your arm or leg or somewhere and frankenstitch it to your body to go so far out of your way to opt into a tool, perhaps the tool of so much suffering. I love that there are people who are so left-wing that the presence of a penis is itself somehow an act of violence, okay? Most transmasculine people don't get one. The seminal print Transmask magazine was named after not getting one. Original plumbing. I saw transmasculine support groups shut down and go silent more than once when someone brought up the procedure. And later, when I was that someone, I was twice invited to leave with other people who might want to talk about that. Whatever magical spectrum of unicorn gender expression was otherwise being embraced, it ended firmly before needing a socially, culturally, politically, historically, personally, emotionally, medically complicated dick. But I did, and I couldn't outrun it any longer. Literally, the day I gave in and admitted that for me it was penis or death came after a last-ditch bout of denial in which I drove 1,400 miles in three days only to have acknowledged, devastated, at my destination that I couldn't avoid it anymore. So this person had to call six surgeons' offices and PCP's office 19 times for referrals, the insurance company 17 times for necessary authorization. And um, these folks get together, people who have had the surgery, and uh, discuss the feeling of having a surgically created penis and what size testicle implants to get. This person says, quote, there's a scene in the Disney's original Dumbo when the child's elephant mom cradles him in her trunk and sings to him exuding love, quietly but wholly. As a kid feeling utterly unheld by this world, I hated it. As a grown man in a hospital bed, chest loosely draped with a gown in a low-lit December room, I looked down in the direction of a penis I'd assumed would be covered in bandages. But then there it was, laid out in an angle toward my left thigh, propped on a green cloth, and I, awed and heartful and weeping, sang that song to it. Baby mine, I don't know the words. <sighs> While I'd been sleeping, two microsurgeons, a recon reconstructive urologist, a surgical fellow, and a surgical resident had, among other things, cut a seven, seven by six inch rectangle out of my right anterior lateral thigh. They'd taken all the skin and fat, plus one big nerve and some veins attached to the muscle and connected the skin itself in the shape of a phallus. Then they slipped the whole thing under two of my thigh muscles, pulled up out of the way with a steel retractor, dragged the phallus across my groin under the skin, and pulled it back out into the world through a hole cut in the skin over my pubic bone. They connected the new penis's nerve to one of the nerve bundles in my native penis, which some people call a clitoris. Okay, that's not a native penis, that's called a clitoris, which they'd cut free of its ligaments, then skinned, then tunneled up under the skin and out to the landing site of the new penis, the base of which they joined, the base of my pelvis, putting me all back together with sutures, some finer than a human hair. That penis, Dr. Babak Safa, one of the microsurgeons said, when he came by to see me after, to see us, looks perfect. He was mostly talking about the blood flow. He did not mean that with its fresh stitches and a round bloody hole at the top where the skin would eventually close together, it would look like any other penis at the spa, but also it was a lovely shape. Okay, so are we supposed to believe that this makes you a man? 
Is that the idea? That this makes you... So according to this person, this didn't make them a man. The feeling made them a man. But they needed the penis in order to feel complete. And then this needed to be put on the cover of New York Magazine to promote the idea that this is a reflection of biological reality, that this person is a man now. The, understand, this article is not about Gabriel Mack and this person's experiences in life. This article is about you. Because the goal is to make you believe. Make you believe that two and two are five. That is the goal. And if you refuse to believe two and two are five, this makes you a bigot. This makes you a bad person. This means you'll be socially ostracized. This means that common sense must go by the wayside. The demand is not for quote-unquote tolerance. The demand is for acceptance and celebration and belief. More than anything else, belief. Radical subjectivism is not the way any functional society can work because radical subjectivism eventually, and this is the point in 1984, radical subjectivism eventually will be subjugated in favor of a top-down version of reality that somebody wants to impose. And that top-down version of reality that somebody wants to impose, particularly the folks in the media, is a version of reality that is absolutely contrary to actual biological, physical reality but allows for the possibility of innate malleability of humanity in any direction that they choose. That's the goal. Again, I'm Gabriel Mack can do whatever Gabriel Mack wants to do in a free country. Although again, I think surgeons who perform these sorts of surgeries are doing nobody any great service. I think that the, the notion that that obvious mental disorders are going to be solved by, by brutal surgeries. That is just some sick ass shit. It's completely sick. And he's 100% right. If you listen to that whole show, it's number 1401. Uh, it, it is basically stating that you will accept this. And once again, I have said it a million times. I'll say it a million and one. I don't give a fuck if you want to be a goddamn unicorn. I don't want to accept that you're a unicorn. I I don't have to accept any of your shit. And you don't have to accept mine. That's what's the beauty in America. And then an op-ed that I just, once again, and then we're going to do a couple reviews. And we're going to close this out. I, I didn't do the Christmas one just because I I didn't have time. But And you probably wouldn't listen to it anyway. It's pretty freaking boring. Um... Well, before we do that, I want to play the one positive I saw all fucking week, and it came from Tucker Carlson. Americans are going to celebrate Christmas anyway. They always have, and they're going to this year. This is still America. Look at this tape. No place in this country has suffered more this year than Waukesha, Wisconsin. Last month, a racist lunatic drove a vehicle through a Christmas parade in Waukesha, committing mass murder. He tried to stop Christmas. He couldn't. Here was the scene in Waukesha a month later. And there are people who are here tonight who have children who are still in the hospital. But you can add light after darkness. It helps bring light to our town. Singing after sorrow. Hopefully replace some of those negative feelings with some really positive ones. As another step on the road to healing. Seeing everybody smiling and having a good time, yeah. you know, I love it. The lantern stroll of light and hope oh. is bringing just that. And, and it's been amazing to see how the whole community come together. I mean, it's been beautiful. Ah, it's been beautiful. The crowd gathers 
Some of them still have children in the hospital from the atrocity that happened just a month ago. Imagine doing that. Imagine describing that as beautiful. That's the scene of carnage where their friends, relatives, neighbors were just murdered. And yet those words were totally heartfelt. You could tell the resilience, the gratitude, the determined hope in the face of evil and death. It makes the hair on your arms go up as you watch it. You are proud to live in a country with people like that. Those are the best people. And there are so many of them in this country. This is a historic moment. Abortion rights are under attack in America. And it's important for all of us to raise our voices. Because abortion rights are pro-choice men's rights. I deserve to be free from any responsibility for some girl I get pregnant. I deserve to enjoy sex without commitment, marriage, or parenthood. It's ridiculous to think that just because I'm the father, I'm expected to be a dad. It's her body, and it's her choice. So don't be asking me for anything. And look, I'm a caring guy. If I get a girl pregnant and then abandon her, I don't want to leave her alone with the kid, especially if she might chase me down for child support. I deserve not to be shackled by kids to a woman my age. So when she gets older, I can upgrade to a younger model. Guys, we're forgetting that abortion is mainly about a man's sexual freedom. A woman's sex drive is far more tied to commitment and procreation than a man's. That's why women's sexuality scares me. Women need to submit to a pro-choice man's view of sex. We need to make women understand that when they become pregnant, they're not really women anymore. I'm not really interested in mothers, except my own, because she pays all my bills. Without abortion, I would have had to get a job. Abortion has allowed my girlfriend to chase her dreams of working 60 hours a week to pay for our bills while I stay home and chase my dream of becoming a professional gamer, comedian, and social media influencer. Why does she need me to take care of her and the kid anyway? It's the government's job to do that. The role of the government is to make my irresponsible lifestyle sustainable. Abortions keep my girl's body looking right. Stretch marks? Yeah. If I had to take care of a kid, I never would have been able to get my Tesla. My Tesla is my baby. The other side will point out that abortion kills a human being. But my right to impregnate a woman and then leave her in the dust outweighs the baby's right to life. Women need the right to abortion because men deserve it. I deserve a woman's right to abortion. I deserve a woman's right to abortion. I deserve a woman's right to abortion. Abortion is not really about what women want, and it never has been. Abortion is about men, pro-choice men. So ladies, thanks for marching. Because you're not really marching for yourselves. You're marching for us. Thanks for being obedient and submissive to what we want. Abortion rights are pro-choice men's rights. 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 At one time, I even drove my girl down to the clinic for her abortion, because I'm a gentleman. And I make sacrifices like that for women. Okay, I played two there. The McKeeson Vigil and Christmas caroling, regardless of what they said, that nobody cares that a black supremacist went up there and killed people. And that live action thing, it's a parody, of course, about men who support abortion. And I thought those two were fucking fantastic. And they're spot on. So... 
The op-ed I wanted to read, and I know it's boring reading an op-ed, but I was really struck by this, and it was in Newsweek, which surprised the shit out of me because Newsweek is a fucking rag. It's just a complete rag. My name is Brandon by Brandon Brown, the Let's Go Brandon individual from NASCAR. My name is Brandon, Brandon Brown to be specific. Yes, that Brandon. I'm Brandon the NASCAR driver, an unlikely meme, a 28-year-old who now finds himself in the middle of an American political conversation as a pro driver. I never expected to be in the passenger seat. A own viral moment. And it breaks down how he won in the interview. Let's go, Brandon. I'm fully aware that millions of Americans chant my name, know little about me or about my winning Italic Dega race that day, but I spent the last few weeks getting to know more about them. I'd like to share a little more about myself. All the advice I got from those around my racing career was to stay quiet after the now famous interview. No one knew how my sponsors react, and in my world, there's no car to drive without the sponsor. So I kept quiet. I turned down more press requests than I imagined someone would ever get, especially someone just starting his NASCAR career. I was afraid of being canceled by my sponsors or by the media or being caught up in something that was little to do with me. Those who thought this would go away appear to not understand why millions of Americans are chanting my name. Racing at 200 miles per hour, that's actually not true. You don't, you, you don't actually get to 200 in an Xfinity car, so I just wanted to be a stickler on facts. Doesn't give me a lot of time to think about politics, and even if I did, I've always preferred the roar of an engine to the roar of the voice. My job is to run the next lap faster than the last one. Politics have never been that interesting to me, though like most, I've always had the impression that politicians were likely the cause of more problems than they were the solutions. These last few weeks, I've spent a lot of time trying to understand why millions of people are chanting my name. I mean, beside my mom, my dad, and my late grandfather have cheered me on my entire life. Let's Go Brandon is something I've always heard from them, but now it's something about more than just me. I think I understand. I understand that millions of people are struggling right now and are frustrating, struggling to get by and struggling to build a solid life for themselves and their family, and wondering why their government only seems to make it worse. People have a right to be frustrated, even be angry. Listen, I buy more gas than most. I don't like the four per gallon has become the norm. I know the cost of everything is rising, and I know firsthand that making ends meet can be a struggle for middle-class folks like me. I have no interest in leading some political fight. I race cars. I'm not going to endorse anyone, and I'm certainly not going to tell anyone how to vote. But I'm also no longer going to be silent about the situation I find myself in and why millions of Americans are chanting my name. I hear them, even if Washington doesn't. 99% of my time this upcoming NASCAR season will be spent trying to take the le- next lap a little faster. But when I have the opportunity and time, I'm not going to hesitate to speak about issues I'm passionate about or the problems we face together as Americans. How you vote is none of my business. Instead, I will use what free time I have to highlight the struggle we all feel and share as Americans. To my fans, to the NASCAR fans, and to everyone who has chanted my name, I dedicate myself this upcoming season to compete hard on the racetrack and to spotlight issues that are important to me and to millions of Americans across the country. Let's go, America. That gives me hope. That's a young cat, and it just gives me 
hope. Because it is about America. I've had more conversation with Latino, black people, gay people, straight people. None of us are talking about either party doing a good job. We're talking about how fucked up everything is. And that gives me hope. Sure, as a conservative independence, I hope a lot of people get red-pilled. And I think they are. Because even the Matrix reboot was pretty apolitical. Thomas? You seem particularly triggered right now. Can you tell me what happened? I've had dreams that weren't just dreams. Am I crazy? We don't use that word in here. why you're still fighting and why you will never give up you don't know me no inside these strange repeating loops. Billions of people just living out their lives. Oblivious. But this is the moment for you to show us what is real.
remember this. So deja vu. And yet it's obviously all wrong. Maybe this isn't the story we think it is. They taught you good. Made you believe their world was all you deserved. But some part of you knew that was a lie. Some part of you remembered what was real. It's so easy to forget how much noise the Matrix pumps into your head. Something else makes the same kind of noise. War. important choice in Neo's life. It's not his to make. She believed in me. It's my turn to believe in her. Part of me feels like I have been waiting my whole life for you. If you want to see Trinity again, fight for her! I was so impressed with this movie. You know, a lot of times you do the reboots and ah, they're okay and you think they're all right and blah, 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 blah. But this motherfucker, I ain't lying to you. It's great. Trying to shut the freaking light off. Sorry, folks. I don't know where the light button is. Oh, there it is. Um, It's really good. It, It is a great movie. Great flashbacks. I think they did a really respectful job to the originals. And more importantly, I think they did a good job. So if you've never seen the movie, you can watch this and you're good. You know, you know what's going on. There's some flashbacks. You kind of understand it. Very ingenious of how they bring him back to life. Because if you're a geek like me, you know that he's dead. Him dead. Trinity dead. Morpheus did no Morpheus wasn't dead but it's just great if you do not have HBO Max it is worth the $15 you'll spend for one month to watch this movie and then shut that shit off because that's what I'm doing I've already watched it three times every morning since it came out well two times I woke up I watched it it's just so good and then 1883, which they so kindly said was garbage and social conservatism. Yeah. Yeah, no.
So y'all just sit and watch. You look like he had it figured. Thanks for the help. You James Dutton? Yes, sir. Mind if we speak? Whatever you're selling, I ain't buying. My family's meeting me here tonight, and we're heading north. And we'll keep heading north till I find country is worth the journey. I admire your courage, but you're gonna pick a fight you can't win before long. What's that for? Not sure. But I'd sure hate you don't have it when we find out. This journey will be dangerous all the way to Oregon. I believe in you, and I believe in that boy, and I believe in our daughter, and that's all. You can police yourselves, or I can do it. You don't control them. It's a free country. That is a free country. That is no man's land, and that's where we're heading. There's only one killer in Fort Worth, and that's me. I was super impressed with this. You know, I just thought it was going to be another Western, but they have some really good people, some great acting, and I, I annoy the shit out of my wife when I do this, but uh, cinematography is so beautiful. I mean, there is not a scene that is not perfectly framed, lighted. I mean, it is just epic. So Paramount Plus... Unlike SEAL Team, which you could only watch on TV, this one they're doing right. They they showed it on TV and then they streamed it. Well worth it. Sunday releases. So my Sundays just got a whole lot better. I got Yellowstone. I have 1883. I have Dexter. And my wife watched Yellow Jackets. Yellow Jackets is really fucking stupid. So I'm not into that one. So what did we learn today? Well, it's kind of a repeating cycle right now. We're kind of in the Matrix loop. Um, if we sojourn over to their slides, oh, we're in this loop and the loop is everything they said for four years no longer applies. If you're the president, you can lie. If you're the press secretary, you can assault the first amendment by not telling the truth. That's what we're doing right now. We save Christmas. There is no, these are not the droids you're looking for. It's really funny. Brett Bear, um, I will come home, the wife and I eat dinner and watch the five. We fast through most of it because it's all repetitive and I don't like the endings. I don't care about the fastest and one more thing and all that stupid shit. And I'll go to Brett Bear and I'll watch his opening to catch up on today's news because it's news. Whether the left likes to admit or not, it's actually just news. These are the stories of the day. And then the panel where they actually have a liberal, an independent, and a conservative. What a concept. And he said, do you think them doing these aren't the droids you're looking at are actually going to work? And I laughed my ass off because he's so right. They think they could just keep doing it. 
But once again, we have some really bad problems. You got the fucking border. You have the fucking COVID is they just don't, they can't get out of the loop. And they, to keep using matrix euphemisms, have tapped people in. They are hardline into fear. Talk to my mom briefly. She's not leaving the house ever again. It's over. Because they hyped this up, even though the scientists who found it and everybody said it was a weak case, they, once again, they're so scared because it's fear porn. Remember, this is the guy who said he was going to end science, but he's bringing back science because he said he was going to stop a, a, a virus. You can't. He More people have died under his watch than Trump. We don't have little tickers. Now we're talking about case counts, not actually. This is like all over again. It's what we did with Trump. And then they catch themselves and they back off because they don't want to hurt Biden. The economy is garbage. You know, my bro, Matt in Oregon, sent me something really nice uh, off the last podcast. And with his permission, uh, my my point was, that it doesn't matter that we're giving people more money. In the end, everything costs so much, your raise is useless. And his start statement, listen to your podcast. Here's some left coast perspective. He pays $1,150 for rent in an old apartment. That's cheap. Home values here are 450 k to get into a basic home. And I live in the country with an average around 600 k And I was going to put the image up, but I won't because I don't want people to know where he lives. It's insane. Wages are higher here with a retail job like your subordinates bringing in 18 per hour. We give $12 an hour. I make a shit more than that. Six figures. And a home is not anything I could even imagine buying any time in the near future. $120 to fill up a trunk tank. Truck tank. Groceries. Well, bacon was $11 a package out there. $11. Here we bitch about seven or eight for the good shit. Steak is doubled. We get a 3% cost of living raise annually. If inflation is 6.6 to 9%, conservative numbers based on their new calculations, then I'm at a net negative. So everything you said was 100% accurate. Left Coast just uses larger numbers. And I thank you, brother. I don't have a degree. It's just called common sense, which is the overriding theme with all these people. And I know jumbled shit up today, but it all works together. If you believe there's no inflation and Christmas is perfect and there aren't a bunch of boats out in the ocean that didn't get an unload and that you don't go to your grocery store and there are empty shelves, President Biden. You're living in a different world. You can keep waving it off like the droids in Star Wars, but it's not a true statement. One of their big points right now is this: people are spending more this Christmas than they have in 10 or 12 years. Well, yeah, because everything costs more, dumbass. And the other analogy, all politics is local. Yeah, 
It's local now. So you can go tater on CNN and see a full milk case at your grocery store, but maybe not here. Cream cheese, eggs, weird things just aren't there. I've done everything other than sexual favors just to find my monsters, which are hard to find. Gatorades, hard to find. I live in Tennessee where they fucking make goo-goo clusters. A treat my wife likes. Can't find them. They're nowhere. And in our situation, most things we bought each other for Christmas were antiques. They don't live in the real world. They hate normals. They don't want to acknowledge that they have fucked things up bad. Like, really bad. So they deflect. They go back to COVID. They talk about January 6th. They run all these articles that in 2024 there's going to be a coup. Well, let's think about 2016. 2016, you floated a lie that has been proven a lie. It was proven by the FBI and Mueller and investigations, yet you still impeached the motherfucker. And all of it was a lie made up by Hillary Clinton because they knew they were going to lose. So when the moment hit, it was June, and they started floating that shit. Nobody took it because they didn't have anything. So then they floated it, got a warrant. They literally wiretapped an opposing candidate, ruined General Flynn's life, and then spent four years saying that Putin installed Trump. All the people that are on their committee right now talking about insurrections and democracy challenged the 2016 election. Then every media outlet, every institution, every social media outlet fortified the election so that Trump couldn't win. They changed 80 voting laws to allow multiple fucking ballots for many people. It's been proven because they mailed the voter rolls out. They didn't let poll watchers look at shit. In Wisconsin, it's been proven and people are going to jail that they literally had off-site, not notified to anybody collection sites for ballots. They stopped counting at fucking, what, 2 o'clock in the morning? Only in swing cities, and then miraculously big dumps of 100,000 for fucking just Biden, not anybody else, showed up. They lost massive seats in the House. The Senate's 50-50. Only because Trump fucked up in Georgia. Some people did something, is what Nancy Pelosi said, about a summer of violence where federal courthouses, federal officers, three dozen police officers were fucking killed. Numerous people were killed in the street. Nobody got charged with it. The vice president and the president helped get people out of jail to go back and repeat And some guys went into the Capitol, some with violence. 
600 people are still in jail. Nobody's in jail for George Floyd. So where's the coup? Who actually tried to do a coup? Who? You started this game. You said George Bush wasn't a legitimate president. My entire lifetime, they've never said anything or accepted the outcome of the American people's votes for president other than Reagan's landslide. And that was the first one I was cognitive of. They have illegally transported illegals using military aircraft and they dumped them all in red districts. Probably slowing down now that Latinos are saying they don't like them. These are all documented things, regardless of the media wants to see it or not, whether they want to report it. And I want you to go back to Trump. I want you to really think about Jim Acosta and travel bans and quoting the fucking plaque at the bottom of the Statue of Liberty. This is what we did for four years, and now we got a guy who confuses pills and tests, and you're anti-American if you say, that motherfucker's fucked up. By the people who are simultaneously floating stories saying, hey, these are the people that can re- can replace Biden and Harris because they both suck. And then underlying it all is CRT and brainwashing on gender. So tell me who's more of a threat to America. Is it the mean tweet guy? Who just did the same thing Stacey Abrams did? She never conceded her election. She still gets carted around by the American fucking press like she is the governor of Georgia. She finger fucked all sorts of election laws in Georgia. Or is it the Democratic Party? with such extreme policies, their own people don't want them. Build Back Better is just more entitlements to hook people to the federal dole. Immigration policy is just a way to replace you. And I close on the simple fact if Donald Trump had a bunch of nurses lip syncing and he was off site using a fake background fucking White House Oval Office set that has never been explained while he's coughing all the time and walks like lurch. What the fuck, Chuck? None of this would fly. None of it. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with family and friends. Go to foppodcast.com where you can get links to all shows on Rumble and SoundCloud. Make sure tomorrow or tonight, hang your stocking up. He's coming. The big guy's riding. 
Disconnect from all your devices. Enjoy your family and have a merry, merry Christmas. I am off until the 27th. Is that or the 28th? 28th. So I'm going to try to do another one uh, Monday, the 27th. 27th, another podcast. And then after that, we will do a uh, New Year's Day podcast, a little mini review of everything. There's just too much to cover. But life at work has gotten better. I'm still kind of broken, but got more people. I've done a lot less work, and my schedule should be much gooder so that I can get off four or five every day and try to get some nighttime podcasts. I'm Like I said, I want 2022. Sorry, my allergies are going crazy. 2022 to actually start doing more, at least two podcast weeks to try to work on it. As uh, we do close out this year, though, once again, I want to thank everybody who does listen to this show and shares it. I thank my brother, Matt in Oregon, who has always supported me. My sister, Jen in Colorado, has always supported me. Tom in Tucson, I hope you're still out there. And everybody else who listens, thank you so much. Please enjoy tomorrow with your family. Nothing better than Christmas to bring back all the memories and to understand all the important things in life. And none of them are those presents. None of it is this political bullshit. It's our family. It's our friends. It's our loved ones. So embrace it. Instead of the usual closeout, we're going to have a little fire crackling with some music for a little bit. I will see you all Monday. Merry Christmas. 